It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the show tonight... We're paying a visit to the 2022 Burren Slow Food Festival, which took place at the weekend in Listonvarna in County Clare. We're going to meet some of the food producers who had stalls at the festival. And first up, we hear from Fintan Gogarty, founder of Wildwood Balsamics, a unique artisan producer of award-winning vinegar creations based in County Mayo. Then Dave Merrins, farm shop manager and manager of cheese production at the Aloe Burren Experience tells us all about Burren Gold Cheese. And then finally, at the end of the programme, we're going to talk to Connor Graham from Lenan's Seafood Restaurant in Newquay, who has recently acquired Flaggy Shore Oysters along with his business partner, Mark Cummins. But before we hear from our guests this evening, may I take this opportunity to remind you about how you can make contact with me here at The Best Possible Taste. You can drop me an email, Sharon at SharonNoonan.com, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation, and I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So last week we heard about the upcoming Burren Slow Food Festival, thanks to Birgitta Heddencurtain, founder of the Burren Smokehouse and chair of the Festival Organising Committee. I took a trip over the weekend up to Listonvarna and had the pleasure of meeting lots of different producers selling their wares at the market. First up, it was Fintan Gogarty, founder of Wildwood Balsamics, a unique artisan producer of award-winning vinegar creations based in County Mayo. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Tell us, Vinton, how did the Wildwood story begin? Oh, actually, it begins out of economic necessity, as very often things do. Um, I've been an artist all my life. And uh, when the crash came in 2007, uh, I was tied into a, quite a long lease in a gallery, which I'd had all my time. And people stopped buying art. They couldn't pay mortgages, nothing. So I had to try and find something to sell for 10 euro round trying to sell something at 2,000 euro and I'd be making vinegars um, just for friends and family and all of that people say well you should sell those people would buy them so it kind of grew out of that Uh, I was actually selling vinegars to hand over to my landlord for the gallery and by the time we came out of recession the vinegars had won so many awards and they developed a whole life of their own that there was this huge business there and where was this all happening? Was it up in Mayo? This was happening uh, in Mayo, in North Mayo. Gallery was in Westport, but um, I was living up in the North Mayo coast, a very uh, beautiful part of the world, with this huge abundance of wild ingredients, um, with great hedgerows, heather. Uh, so it was all, all ingredients were there. And... Uh, so that, that's where it was being made. So in terms of ingredients then, are they all foraged for ingredients? Is there a base ingredient and then you add to it? No, no. They're basically, there are foraged ingredients. Um, some of them are grown, um, but fast bulk are wild. So, for example, for the blackberry, it's a wild blackberry. 
um, rather than a garden-grown blackberry, and that has its advantages as well. And I remember one tasting I was doing for an English buyer. He said, uh, "Why do you put salt in your blackberry balsamic?" And I said, "I don't put salt." And he said, "Well, I get salt." I said, "Yeah." I said, "I live on a peninsula. Blackberries are salty." Wow, so the, the flavour of the region and the terroir is coming the through. The terroir comes through. So the terroir can come through in vinegar as it does in, in, in a good wine, you know. Uh, I mean, yesterday I was, uh, there was a wonderful speaker here talking about um, about foraging and the best time to pick. I, I, that applies again here. Um, I pick my elderflowers at the end of the day because at the end of the day, the yeasts are really developed. And so when you go to make your ferment your elderflowers to make your, your core, your elderflower wine, the natural yeasts will start the whole fermentation. So even in foraging, you know, it's not just the location. Very often it's also the time of day that you, you pick your ingredient. Absolutely. And tell me, is it quite labour intensive to, to do it? It's a slow process. Um, for example, I couldn't make an elderflower vinegar in a calendar year. Uh, well, sorry, I could make an elderflower vinegar. I couldn't make a balsamic elderflower vinegar because they're two separate processes. The process of balsamic is putting the fruit back into the vinegar. So, um, I do actually blackberries, the easiest one to do. You pick your blackberries, blackberries into blackberry wine, blackberry wine into blackberry vinegar. By the time you've finished that process, there aren't any blackberries, they're all gone. Um, so what I'm doing each year is half of the crop of, of, of blackberries goes into the wine making, vinegar making, the other half goes into the balsamic process and that entails cooking 10 litres of blackberries, bringing them to a boiling point, add 10 litres in of blackberries into 20 litres of blackberry, the previous year's blackberry vinegar and then that goes into a barrel for a year. Um, and then that's your core balsamic blackberry vinegar. After that is whether you want to age it for one year, two years or five years. So you can see it's a, there's a time element involved in producing a balsamic vinegar. And then whenever you have such a range, because I'm looking here at your display, and how many do you have? And 22. 22. Like, that's a lot to be managing over the, the course of a year in the production. No, but you see, it's because... Um, unlike a, a wine harvest where they're harvesting the grapes in this very short period of time you might, a vineyard might harvest do its entire harvest in, in one week um, because I have 22 flavours it means I'm harvesting from March right through to late October so you're splitting it up through different parts of the year so there's always a small harvest going on small production going on then into another harvest then into production and then in the in the um, the quiet years when quiet months when you're not harvesting or making then you're casking you're, you're changing barrels you're bottling you're doing all of that so the, the year balances out nicely and out of the the product range out of the 22 products that you have which are the most popular it would have to be the blackberry okay. uh, the blackberry mostly because of its versatility um, in that you can use it from the sweet 
right through the salads, right up into the savoury. Okay. And then you can even use it in your drinks. People add it to a gin and tonic, add it to a, a cava or a prosecco. So it's because of its versatility, uh, you know, it's, it's it's very popular. Whereas you take something like wild water mint and lemon, you know, there's a sharpness to that which restricts it to maybe cooking uh, fish or um, as a dressing. And do you have a personal favourite yourself? Damson. Okay. No, there was no hesitation no, there straight no, out. No. And how do you like to use it? Damson, uh, if I'm pan frying a nice red meat, uh, meat's in the pan, I'm ready to plate up. I just push it to one side, splash in some damson vinegar so it hits the hot pan and as soon as it hits those fats, it bubbles up and you very quickly just slide the meat back over, turn it just to coat it, plate up straight away and while that's resting, stir stir the pan and it deglazes the pan and then just drizzle that damson reduction over the meat. My mouth is watering, yeah. absolutely watering. Now, I see on your display you've lots of awards, yeah. so it is an award-winning product. Tell me about some of the awards you've won. Uh, well, um, first award, I, first one I put in was the Blossnairn. And, and, and Blossnairn... Um, is wonderful for, for, for very different reasons. One, uh, especially if you're you're starting off and um, you're you haven't really received any kind of recognition from from your product, other than that it's, it's selling and people people like it. But um, it's not so much entering the competition; it's getting the recognition that. Uh, and because the judging panels come from, from chefs to food retailers to food bloggers, all of that. And it's when they taste it compared to others and decide that, you know, this merits gold or silver or whatever. It, it, it's that recognition that's important. Um, and then the feedback that you get. Because um, in, the, in the case of, of, of uh, Blosterne, there's no written feedback, which I think is a little bit of a disadvantage. Um, but the weekend is a fabulous weekend down in Dingle. And then, but you then get to meet afterwards in a social setting. You get to meet various judges and say, oh, I had your blackberry vinegar, it's lovely. Uh, have you thought of trying it with X? And, and they will give you recommendations of what they thought it might go with. Uh, it's the same with chefs. You know, very often um, uh, I will design a product. A good example, actually, is the elderflower and lemon dressing. I developed that as, as a salad dressing. That's all I used it for myself. And in this hall, actually, about four years ago, um, I was talking to John Sally McKenna and Victor Morrison. We love your dressing, but we only use it on broccoli and spinach. And they poured over hot brassicas, and it's fabulous with them. Um, and I supplied to Ashford Castle, and they use it on crab, lobster, prawns poached salmon. So something I developed with the intention of going one direction is taken by chefs and uh, used other ways. And that feedback is important. And in the awards, you, you get that. For example, in the, uh, they've done very well. Uh, I've also went in the UK Great Taste Awards. Now there you do get a written feedback and they say, you know, we felt it, you know, a little sharp or um, a little sweet. They go, you know, what all of that. Um, and very often they will give you a recommendation and say, you know, why don't you try doing X, Y, and Z? That feedback is good.
but on one occasion it actually backfired because the judges said that um, they'd given it two stars um, and the one of the, some of the comments came back was that you know this one of the judges felt it merited a three star award um, but they felt it lacked a little bit of, of salt and maybe if I try adding some salt so I did that uh, entered it the following year and it went down a star to a one star with the salt and again one of the judges comments was that they, they couldn't even understand what the dressing up might even be used for so it's it's uh, you're sometimes you're at the mercy of judges um, not the year after that then I put in um, an elderberry with star anise um, and it did tick three stars um, which means that out of um, I think 14,000 entries you get into the top 200 foods um, you then resubmit it and it's judged again um, and it got through again so it got into the top 50 foods and then was nominated for a Golden Fork Award uh, which it missed out on um, but uh, it's interesting because that award had taken the Golden Bloss the previous year so you could see that a panel in Ireland um, spotted it first and then panel in the UK the following year you know, took it right through the Golden Fork. Um, and one of the interesting things about the Great Taste Awards in Blossnerin is that they are blind tasting so the, the judges don't see any of the packaging or where the product comes from but I, I have to say I love your packaging and your brand and there must be an element of the artist expertise and knowledge that you have there whenever you came up with the, the brand design. Well, the, well there's a, a, a kind of a, a mixture I use I use a very good bottle. I like the bottle. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been an artist all my life, um, so visually things things are important. Uh, and it's the same with the presentation of food, even on a plate. You know, if you present something well, um, you, you know, it, it, it's a feast to the eyes prior to even you know disturbing it with your knife and fork. Um, and colour is very important to me as well. And um, unfortunately, all the kind of the colours aren't out on the. Um, on the little sample pots, but uh, there's an array of colours right, right, right through. Uh, but one of the reasons I use these bottles is that they're not just recyclable; they're reusable. And some of the smaller shops who have the facility to take the bottles back, uh, in agree with me, uh, they offer a refund on the bottles and then there's enough bottles. I've had doing delivery. I collect the bottles and then they get reused. Um, the corks, so, uh, so it, it, it's fully uh, sustainable. Uh, I use a cork rather than a plastic top. And to comply with HSE regulations to show that a bottle is tamper-proof, you can't have a screw-top cork, so I use a Prosecco tie with cotton. So it's And paper labels. So it's, it's all about being uh, environmentally responsible as well as... Um, having a nice looking bottle and product. And speaking of stockists then, where are they available from if anybody wants to get their hands on some of them? Okay, well um, tend to be urban centres um, in Dublin it would be the likes of Fallon and Byrne or Lots and Co or the Avoca stores um, and to go around to go around the country then Kilkenny a little greengrocer in Kilkenny uh, in Dingle or in Kerry it's the uh, crinkle stores or the little cheese shop Sheridan's in in um, 
sorry, McCambridge's in Galway, um, Kids Kitchens in Sligo, any kind of little good food store where the people understand food, usually, you know, they're the people to go to for, for, for artisan vinegars or artisan foods because they understand. Absolutely. And you yourself then, you're here at the Burnslow Food Festival and you go to a few festivals yourself? I do. The next one I will go to actually is next Sunday. Um, which is um, being run by the OPW at Old Bridge House. Um, lovely setting, Battle of the Boyne setting, actually. Um, so that's it. And then after that, again, it'd be Newbridge House in uh, Fingal. Again, another uh, beautiful... And those are nice events because they're, they're family-oriented events, not just food. There's... Um, floral displays, there's pets, there's animals, there's all kinds of things. I won't be at Bloom this year. I usually am at Bloom. Um, then the big one for me, um, two big ones for me this year will be the Dublin Horse Show, the RDS, and Gifted in the RDS. Uh, and will we see you in Dingle? You'll see me in Dingle. I wouldn't miss Dingle. Yeah. Uh, see me in Dingle uh, and the Kilkenny Food Festival. Sadly, COVID... <sighs> has led to the demise of a lot of food festivals. Uh, there used to be um, little organising committees have just gotten away. And it's not just food festivals. There's so many things that kind of have, have been lost as a result of COVID. But I can think of the likes of uh, the Donegal Food Festival's gone, and Cavan Food Festival's gone. The, um, there's another one, um, the uh, Connemara Mussel Festival, which was great. It, was, it used to be over St. Patrick's weekend with a mixture of food and music. And it's gone. One of the lovely things about, about this show in the Burnflow Festival is that I'm primarily doing tastings. People come along and they will taste. They may buy, but even if they don't buy on the day, they say, well, where can we get it? Um, and if they buy, they say, well, where can we get another bottle? Do you sell online? They say, no, we'll ask them where they're living. And lived in Clare, say, go to the Burn Smokehouse for your next bottle. They have it there, or if it's Stingle, I'll refer them on to wherever. And I'm feeling, when similarly doing the um, any of the shows, you refer people on to all the local stuff. And that builds up a relationship between you, the public, and also your reseller, because your reseller is very important. Well, listen, I better let you get finished getting set up yeah. as the, the people are starting to come in. So lovely to meet you, and I look Likewise. forward to seeing you again in Dingle. Yeah, I'll be there. I will be there. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan, and just before the break, we were at the Burren Slow Food Festival talking to Fintan Gogarty, founder of Wildwood Balsamics, a unique artisan producer of award-winning vinegar creations based in County Mayo. If you're just tuning in now and you've missed that, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now, who doesn't like a delicious artisan Irish cheese? The best known one from County Clare is probably the St. Tola Goat's Cheese, which is just fabulous. And at the Burren Slow Food Festival in Listonvarna at the weekend, I was introduced to a new cheese called Burren Gold. Dave Merrins, farm shop manager and manager of cheese production at the Aloe Burren Experience, 
took time to tell me all about it. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Hi, my name is Dave Mearns. Um, I work for Alloy Born Experience and I manage the farm shop and the cheese production. So tell me, Dave, how a visitor attraction like Alloy Caves ends up making cheese. Okay, so um, there's a bit of a story to it uh, in that we're making cheese since 1985. So one of the founder members went to Holland, learned the Gouda process. Um, it's basically a farmhouse cheese. He brought the concept back to Aloui, um and that's where it all started. Um, so it, it has evolved quite a bit since then uh, in that... Um, Aloe was kind of made up, it was the main feature was obviously the cave. Uh, that was the main attraction. Um, and they always wanted to add value to a visit. So they were looking for different add-ons. So that's where, where the cheese came in. But it wasn't the only thing the Birds of Prey Centre came along then. Um, so it was kind of the poor cousin for quite a while. Um, and then I suppose food tourism seem to get more value with, with f- firstly the international and then uh, the native if you like the the, the, the Irish um, and once that happened we, we made it a visual experience so that was probably the first thing so you could come in you could see it being made um, and it just added so much value but when you when you it's a bit like the the frog in the pond you don't realize how good it is um until somebody comes in and tells you and it it grew and grew and and i suppose when i came along i'm there about five years now um so i saw more potential in uh developing the cheese so for example we now mature cheese up to three four or five years um and it means the versatility of the cheese grows in that you have a young cheese two months old six month old one-year-old, 15-month-old, two, and so on. And they are all very, very different cheeses. So the, t- the experience, the tasting experience, um, can be quite educational for one, but it, it tastes really good as well. So tell me about the cheeses. So it started with the Gouda, and now how many do you do you produce? Well, um, as someone once said, we're, we're pretty much a one-trick pony, but it's what we do with that Gouda. Um, so we, we don't flavour, we season. Um, so we season it with, with uh, we use a cumin seed for, for one of them. That's our award winner this year. Uh, we use a garlic and nettle, uh, which is very popular, probably our most our best-selling cheese. Um, there's a peri-peri with a little bit of spice, but it's only for aftertaste. Um, and there's also the black pepper. Um, then we have the smoked, which is naturally smoked, so that's not flavoured as such. Um, it's probably one of the most difficult cheeses to make because of that, because smoking cheese will melt, obviously. Um, uh, so I could spend an hour talking about that alone, but just just to give you a, a bit a bit of insight into it, um, you you can't smoke cheese on on a warm 23, 24 degree day. It has to be a cool day, uh, and you only make cheese from um, April to October. So so the windows can be quite small. Uh, we use oak. Um, and it's it's just a, one of those tricky experiences. You have to you have to know how to, to pack the box, to, to have it to, to run hot or to run cool. You know that kind of thing. So there's a bit of experience in it. So it's one of the hardest cheeses to make. Um, and then uh, I, I think the biggest unique or unique selling point of our cheese would be the, where we source our milk. So our milk is sourced from um, the Davern family up in Carrickconnell. That's up beside Palinabrona. Um 
So that's a very u- unique uh, landscape, and it, it's right in the middle of the burn. And the, the farm was developed on a, a glacial till. So that's basically where the um, glaciers have travelled across 20,000 years ago and, and left a very fertile soil. That's where the grasses, the wild herbs, the flowers grow, and that's what the, the cows are foraging on. They're a uh, Holstein Frisian herd, uh, and they're milked just once a day. It was twice a day, but um, just for everybody's sustainability and for, for lifestyle choice, it, it, for, for both the cow and for, for armour and ourselves, it was uh, thought best to, to milk once a day, and we get a much higher butterfat content from the milk because of that. And all of these things have an impact on the taste, so the burren landscape really provides milk, cheese, everything with a very unique flavouring. Oh, for sure. Um, and like most products that are produced within the Burren region, you definitely taste the difference and you can see the difference. Like uh, we have honey as well. Now, they're not our own hives, but it's a, a guy, he's actually a conservationist and he comes in to breed uh, queens um, in the Burren region because it's, it's a good place to do it because there's not too many species to compete with. So that's why he, he um, targets the burn, and we get the benefit, we, we take the honey, uh, and we call it our honey because of that. Uh, so there's that, and then when you taste the cheese, you just instantly know. I love getting the reaction from uh, visitors when they come in and they taste the cheese, and they just it's an oh my god moment, and I'm so used to it now, I probably take it for granted, but it, it is a very unique cheese that way. And one of the initiatives that was launched here at the festival this weekend was geofoods and you're one of the eight or nine geofoods just explain what a geofood is yeah so uh, the burn is part of a UNESCO world heritage site um, and um, I'm not sure who who came up with with calling it a geofood but I think it's a wonderful idea so basically uh, it has a strict enough criteria in that your your raw material has to come from within the burn region uh, and produce it within the burn Um, so we take a lot of those boxes because I mean the cows are on right smack in the middle of the barn we, we milk the cows ourselves we, we produce it within the farm shop and we sell it within the farm shop so uh, our carbon footprint is tiny um, and as I said, like we tick all the boxes, so so it's it, it works really well, and you can call that a geo food. So um, th- there is several other I know. Um, we you have uh, Eva Hegarty who has her pigs. Uh, now she produces her her pork within the Burren region, but she does bring it out to be uh, slaughtered and, and she brings it back in then and cooks it. She also has a, um, a Airbnb and, and she uh, feeds with breakfast and stuff like that. So, um, But there, there's quite a few. There's also um, the Burn Fine Wines. That's Kathleen Canole and she uh, makes her own um, beetroot and chutneys and, and so but she's all produced growing and, and produced within within the burn region as well um, I, I don't want to go through them all because I'm only going to for, forget a name but but uh, that's why the the, the number of, of producers is quite small but that's because it's a strict criteria which is great yeah absolutely great for the region and tell me out of the cheeses that you have then you were here yesterday selling them which one is the best seller 
Well, the, the best seller probably would be my least favourite, uh, and that, that sounds a bit weird, but uh, the best seller was the, the garlic and nettle, but it was very young. It's only like two months old, so uh, if you can understand, uh, we make cheese from October to, uh, sorry, from April to October, uh, and so the cheese that we, the first cheese that we made in the first week in April um, was, I was selling it yesterday, uh, so it's just under the, the eight weeks old. Uh, whereas I much prefer something that was made uh, possibly hadn't for six months old, so something made last September, October. Uh, I did have a one-year-old cumin, which was an award winner for us at, at the Kosh Awards last year, um, and I was selling that yesterday, um, and I got a huge reaction. Uh, it's it's when you age a cheese naturally. Um, and there is no stabilizers, emulsifiers, coloring, flavorings, anything like that in there. You get all these natural flavors, and people are astounded at what comes through because it's beginning to get a bit nutty, uh, caramel even. Uh, so there's a sweetness to it. Um, and this, the cumin, we don't crush the seed, it's a full seed. So you get this aftertaste coming much later, and people are coming back. Uh, I just love the reaction when they come back and say that cheese is amazing and they, they want more, or they, they, they've tasted it, and then they come back and they actually buy it. So it's and where can they buy it? Is it just from yourself in the Burren or do you distribute to other different places? We're very much um, within the Burren region. Like it's, We're all about the experience. So when you come into the farm shop, you see it being made, you taste it uh, and you bring some home with you. Um, after that then we sell it to local B&Bs um, hotels that kind of thing because you're going to talk about it for breakfast and then maybe come visit and then the next level is just a few markets uh, the likes of Kinvera Ballyvaughan we do have it in, in Ross Levin as well uh, and the Limerick Milk Market um, and beyond that then we, we have because of Covid we went online so we have a little online shop so you can purchase it online as well Brilliant and do you go to the milk market in Limerick right? Regularly? No, we do. The, I go to Canberra uh, and we go to Ballyvaughan. Maggie does Ballyvaughan. Um, she works with us in the farm shop. Um, but we have a, a guy who, who sells cheese. He's a cheesemonger. Uh, so he came to us and we have a good relationship with him. So we're, we're very choosy about who we sell our cheese to. But, but he's been with us a long time. And if anybody wants to get details of those stockists or the online shop, where's the best place for them to go to? If, if you go to www.aloeburnexperience.ie you'll uh, see that it's, it's an easy one to follow then because we have a new website there so hopefully it should be easy enough to find a, the site, the shop site. Fantastic, thanks so much for telling me about it this morning and best of luck with the, the rest of the weekend. Oh, thank you very much, it's been very enjoyable. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was at the Burren Slow Food Festival talking to Dave Merrins, farm shop manager and manager of cheese production at the Aloe Burren Experience. Earlier on in the programme, Fintan Gogarty, founder of Wildwood Balsamics, a unique artisan producer of award-winning vinegar creations based in County Mayo, shared his story from the world of art to the food industry. If you're just tuning in now and you've missed any of that, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM 
when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now the Burns Slow Food Festival was starting to get busy so I had to reluctantly pause recording interviews to allow the food producers to focus on the business of selling. But I was very keen to talk to another geofood producer and Conor Graham, along with his business partner, Mark Cummins, owns Linan's seafood restaurant in Newquay and recently acquired Flaggy Shore Oysters. Fortunately, Conor agreed to talk to me by Zoom yesterday. So let's find out more about Flaggy Shore Oysters, Linan's seafood restaurant and Connor and Mark's plans for the summer season. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Connor, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks so much for taking the call today. It was great to meet you over the weekend at the Burr and Slow Food Festival and there's no denying that you've been in the food industry for a number of years, but you've just recently acquired Flaggy Shore Oysters. Tell us a bit about the, the business. Yeah, we have indeed. Thanks for having me today, Sharon. Um, so I suppose Flaggy Shore Oysters, um, we're based in Newquay in County Clare, um, and the north of the bur- the north part of the Burren. Um, the the building itself has been here for for many years. Um, we took over the business back in February, but there's a I suppose in terms of the history of the oyster in Newquay, um, they're they're actually the oysters in this area have been renowned for. For many years, um, there's been oyster oyster farming for uh, here for for hundreds of years, and the uh, one of the local bays that we get our oysters from um, in Muckinish Bay was actually name checked in Ulysses uh, by James Joyce. So there's uh, they're they're renowned in this part of of the world. Um, they've been exported all over the world for years. Um, and what makes them so good and so unique? Um, for for a lot of it is is the effect that the limestone has on the oysters uh, gives it uh, extra minerality. So the um, a lot of the bays here don't actually have a, a an overground river source. A lot of it's underground channels of rivers. So the water uh, will come through as rainfall. It'll filter down through the limestone and it'll absorb that minerality and then it filters into the bay. And that's the amazing thing, in my opinion, about oysters is that each oyster will take on the characteristic of the bay that it's in. So you can get an oyster from north, um, up around Connemara, you can get an oyster um, and it'll be completely different to the oysters that we have down in the south part of the bay. Um, But even if you go a few miles between each bay, the oysters are very massively. A lot of it like that has to do with the minerality of the bay, the level of salt in the bay. um, And then obviously another massive aspect is the cleanliness of the bay. So because um, the, the bay, our, our inlet here, um, the, the south part of Galway Bay fills first and empties. It goes all the way up around to the north part all through Galway. So we have the advantage that the seawater is flowing in here first and it empties up kind of up more north. So the, the water we have is, is fresh seawater coming in. And because of that, and because there aren't any pollutants going into our water here, we've got grade A water. So it's EU certified grade A water. What that means is that the water is tested regularly. It's absolutely pristine in, in how clean it is. And of course, that all affects the, the, the end result with the oyster because 
oysters are filter feeders they eat plankton which are just microscopic kind of plants um essentially and they can filter up to each oyster can filter up to 180 liters of water a day and obviously if it's if it's clean water that's going to be great but if there's any pollutants in the water that means the oysters will actually start filtering those those pollutants which is good for the environment but if you're going to eat them then it's obviously it's not good uh because we get our grade a water uh our oysters technically you can bring them in and you can you can eat our oysters as soon as they come out of the bay which is actually quite rare it's it's um it's brilliant that we can do it but we also purify them for 42 hours minimum just to make sure um you can never be too safe obviously so we have a foreshore license here so one of our purification tanks we draw water from the shore so we also have grade a waters right outside our door here um and that means that yeah we can we can hold on to the oysters after they come out of purification and they're uh, just you know, we we can be confident that they're they're coming from very good water well let's talk a bit about the location because your original business and and the business that you're still in with your business partner mark is lenan's seafood yeah. restaurant which is literally a stone's throw away from the Flaggy Shore Oysters facility. Exactly. So we're all we all operate from New Key Pier. So if you're sitting in Lanans, I suppose the first thing that'll probably strike you looking out the window is the view of Ochnish, the view of Galway Bay. But then um if you look right beside the pier, it's hard to miss. It's kind of a red building, red maroon kind of colour um the the flag of shore oysters is, is right there on frontier as well so it's kind of unique um and i don't think there are many places you can get it and it's just we're so fortunate that we can we can walk up every morning like just before i got on the call now i'm sorting oysters to send out to other restaurants but i'm after bringing up our lobster or clams or mussels for the day so you're you're getting shellfish that has come essentially straight out of seawater and it's going up and it's going straight onto your plate so um it just means you're getting extremely fresh produce it all all you know and for us i suppose in the lands we've always had the uh, the ideology that it's you know it's simple fresh seafood we're a pub you know at the end of the day so we're not doing anything too too fancy but we we let the fish speak for itself um, and that's the advantage of, of probably being in a place we go through, you know, quite a lot of fish. It means you get the we get the fish fresh in every day. It comes in from Cahill Sexton, who will arrive in around twelve o'clock, um, and then obviously the shellfish come up from uh, come up from Fleggy Shore oysters as well. So we're lucky we have such a good relationship with with Cahill down in Dune Beg um, that he he looks after, so he makes sure we're well looked after, and uh, and then we, we can kind of we get to manage the other side. Of it, so we we work closely with um, with two two suppliers, um, Fergal Langley and Tommy Connolly. They're both their oyster beds are on on the the water just beside the burn. And then in terms of our mussels, we're we're working with the uh, Kellys, obviously, who are another you know very very renowned um, oyster family who've been in it for generations. And then our uh, our, our our lobster we get from from around Galway Bay. Obviously, we've um, there's the lobster landed on the quay in 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 New Quay here, and then we we work with a few other other um, lobster lobster fishermen. And then the the clams we get from um, from the Nolan. So Willie Nolan and Joe's my cousin. Um, they they go out fishing between um, Island Eddy and and Cave. So they get all their their clams again. That's all grade A water. So 
you don't have to purify them when they come in. They can come in and go straight onto the plate. So we're just we're very fortunate where we are um, here in in the south part of, of Galway Bay, and that we've got such good clean water, and that it's it's looked after. Um, and it's obviously it's important that we look after after the bay and look after the environment. Um, makes a difference. And I want to ask you a bit more about Lenan's restaurant, but before mm. we move on to that. The, the Flaggy Shore Oysters, you, you mentioned there about getting them ready to go out to restaurants, and you're in so many of the top restaurants, Michelin star restaurants. Yeah, so we, uh, we're, we're, we're working with uh, restaurant Patrick Gibo, which is obviously a two-star uh, restaurant, which is amazing. Up until a few years ago, it was, um, it was the only two-star in the country, but it's been consistently incredible for years, um, and it's a real establishment up in Dublin. People hold it in incredibly high regard. Then you've got the likes of Chapter One, which is just this up and coming. Oh, it's obviously been around for a long time, but it's going to another level now. Um, we're, we're in there. We're delighted. We're in um, Amsher, which is another two star. Um, but then we're in a lot of places like um, Vaughn's uh, in Liscanner Vaughn's Anchor Inn, which is a, an incredible seafood restaurant. Um, we're in a, a couple of places in Galway as well. Um, and we're looking to obviously grow the brand, um, but just focus on, you know, keeping that quality that these, you know, it's it's just a great sign of the product that these guys want to keep our our, our, uh, our oysters on their menu and, and work with us. So, yeah, there's definitely, I mean, if, if you look at the the building itself here, there's, there's massive scope to grow, um, you know, uh, years ago with the East export and everything. So we're, we're trying to maintain the quality of service and, and grow gradually. And whenever I think of flaggy shore oysters, I think particularly of the dainty oyster. Mm. Like it's, it is very distinctive compared yeah. to some of the other oysters that are out there on the market. Yeah, and it was actually, they coined the phrase the dainty oyster down here. Um, probably in the last in the last eight years and it's just grown now there's a lot of people you know selling dainty oysters uh, Kira and Jerry the previous owners came up with the concept and the beauty of it is that I suppose it's a more approachable oyster if you look at something a bit smaller and um, there's a great actually they've, they've looked at this there's a nice bit of meat in the in the oyster itself and it's like that it's just it's a bit more manageable and for people who are trying out oysters for the first time, I suppose some people like them grilled and trying dressed oysters, but the dainty for your, you know, as a, as a raw oyster is, or as a natural oyster is, is very approachable and they're obviously very tasty as well. So they're, they're a popular one and you're right, Flaggy Shore has become synonymous with the dainty oyster. Absolutely. And tell me now a bit about Lenans and how yourself and Mark came to be the head honchos there. Funnily enough, myself and Mark actually met in Trollhattan many moons ago at the European Oyster Opening Competition. Uh, so we became good pals. We were both living in, in London at the time. And we ended up becoming close friends, going out to, for a lot of meals together. And, we, you know, I think massive part of, you know, our, we, we really bonded over over food and, and good good drinks and things like that. And we were always talking about how we get into business together someday which I suppose for a lot of guys is kind of just a bit of a pipe dream. You know, everyone always talks about, a lot of people talk about having their own pub or their own restaurants. So uh, the opportunity came up in 2017. My parents have been running Lanans up until that point. So they were retiring um, and the opportunity, obviously mum, you know, called me up and she said, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to step, step away from the business. The lease will be there. So 
I called Mark up. We jumped at the opportunity. Um, Mark was living in Dublin at the time. He was um, working for kind of a hotel group and I was over uh, trying out an office job in London, which never really suited me too well. And uh, we, yeah, we both moved back, took over and yeah, having looked back like the, the last few years have just flown. Um, uh, it's gas. It's hard to believe we're four and a half years here. Uh, we've kind of been, we've been through it all now uh, with COVID and everything. And I think we came out the other side stronger. The, uh, I think the food has just gradually improved over time. People, you know, in Ireland have definitely come to expect a certain standard of food when they're going out to eat. But now people, I think, are getting even a bit more experimental with what they're willing to try. You know, people want food that's foraged. So they, you know, people want to go out now and try something they haven't tried before. People, you know, everyone wants that kind of that new thing. And I think it's brilliant. Um, so myself and Mark, obviously, after taking over Flaggy Show Roysters, now we're going to totally embrace that uh, that new kind of wave that's that's there and so starting in the next probably later on this week we're going to look at, at a new menu we're going to sit down with the chefs so we're going to have one page uh the first page of our menu would be dedicated to oysters so obviously um natural we're going to have the dainties we're going to have dressed oysters deep fried oysters grilled oysters we're going to play around with a few different ideas so we're going to really push the idea i think people are getting more interested in in the likes of oysters people are like that trying different things um so hopefully that goes well uh, it'll be an interesting kind of time for us because i think we will be differentiating from a lot of other restaurants by doing that and then obviously i just think because of the sustainability of shellfish as well um i think it's going to be nice to look at you know having a more shellfish orientated menu and there's there's a lot of fluctuation in in prices and things like that for a lot of different fish at the moment and and I think the likes the mussels the clams the oysters because they're caught so close like I said we actually know personally we know the people who are buying our produce off we can see their boats coming and going every day it just means that you're you're guaranteed that kind of supply it won't be as much of a fluctuation I, I know when you talk to guys who are out there catching lobster they've got a really strict um policy about if you catch uh, a lobster that's has eggs by a fertile female fertile female you you notch uh, a triangle it doesn't hurt them at all into their tail it's kind of an exoskeleton so you notch a triangle in and then if you land or if you catch that lobster again or another fisherman catches it and you see that triangle that it'll notch out of the tail it's illegal to land that lobster so it guarantees a stock of of females in the bed at any given time and it's it's actually worked really really well they you know they've done studies to see how that's worked over time it's the same as my cousin and uh, joseph and his father willie out in the bay and i know for a fact that you talk to them about catching clams and they want the clams to be there for, you know, their children and grandchildren and great grandchildren, hopefully in time that uh, they know the importance of managing the stock. And then it's the same as the, the mussels and the oysters, you know, they're, um, they're, they're farmed as well. So, uh, you know, it's uh, the guys, they know exactly what's out there. You can plan, plan ahead. But unfortunately with, with a lot of other fish now at the moment it's just not as the, the the stock isn't guaranteed there's not as many people going out um so it's nice that we we know that 
the shellfish is there and, and uh, yeah, people, people seem to be interested in it. And just listening to you talk, Connor, there's a lot of knowledge there, expertise and a lot of education that is there to be shared with others. And you are looking at doing a food experience for visitors. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're, we're actually working with a guy, David Donahue, locally, who's got a, you know, just a massive wealth of knowledge um, when it comes to anything to do with the sea or foraging. But especially oysters, he actually he farms a few oysters himself, but uh, he, he's a really interesting guy. So we're going to start doing three tours a week from uh, the start of from the start of June, so only a couple of weeks away. So basically, it's a it's a it's an oyster experience. It's going to take place in the factory itself down here in New Quay. So the whole concept is. You come down in the morning uh, and start from midday, so 12 at noon. Um, you'll come in, you learn about the side of the oyster from when, when the oysters arrive in mesh bags at our door and go, how they go into purification, how they're washed, cleaned, put into holding tanks, and then, you know, up until when they're boxed and ready to go out the door. Then you would also learn about the life cycle of the oyster, a bit about the, the history of the oyster um, in New Quay and Galway Bay. A bit of history is actually an incredible history around New Quay itself. Um, and then you will learn, we're going to do a bit about kind of seaweeds and things like that. So just to, so you don't, hopefully you'll leave with a good understanding of, of the ecosystem of the whole bay as well. And then uh, for a finish, probably most importantly, you'll get a, you learn how to shuck an oyster so you'll be shown how to shuck an oyster of course we'll be very careful to make sure everyone's doing it properly then you, you'll uh, you'll be given a few oysters for yourself basically actually as many as you want and uh, you can just shuck, shuck away there to your heart's content um, you'll get a glass of wine and hopefully you might come down with friends or family you might make a few more friends along the way uh, it's always gone down very well so I think it's, it's going to be great fun um, so that's starting June. We're getting the website live this week, so you'll be able to make bookings online. And it's going to be fifty-five euro per head, and it's a, it's a kind of a two two and a half hour. It's about two hours the the experience, you know. There'll be an hour where it's the educational side anyway, and then probably about another hour where you're you sit down, and you get to open a few oysters and, and have a bit of crack. But it sounds fantastic, and of course, one of the things that you'll probably talk about during that food experience is how your oysters are, they are a geofood. So the geofood yeah. initiative was launched at the weekend as part of the Burn Slow Food Festival. So that makes them stand out again against the other oysters in Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we, what we were busy all weekend down promoting the, the geofood. So it's basically, uh, uh, we're, we're a geopark here in the Burn. It's a UNESCO recognized uh, geopark. And because our produce is um, comes from and is produced and is sent from within the burn, um, it, it makes it unique. There aren't actually many suppliers in the burn who can actually, you know, who, who are fortunate to have all the produce coming from here as well. So it does make it stand out, and it does emphasise that you know about the minerality and about the purity of the the oysters. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be and exciting we're looking forward to a bit more work on that now and getting more involved and and see what what uh what, what else there is to it you know so it's uh it's an exciting one now and we're looking forward to, to progressing with that 
Well, just as we finish up and um, before you tell us the, the new web address, the website that you're working on, for people that are traveling to the area that maybe want to dine in Lenans, is it is it walk-ins, is it bookings? What way do you operate? We always recommend that uh, you book ahead of time. And it's actually very easy now. You can book through our, our website. We have an online system. So if you go on to uh, com. Um, you'll see uh, a reservations page. Uh, you can always take a chance if you're passing by the door. There's no harm in trying if you haven't got a booking. Uh, you can always try and swing by. But what we did uh, last summer, because we found that um, it was just everywhere kind of in, in the west of Ireland, I suppose, is getting busier. We're, we're fortunate we've got so many amazing restaurants in our area within kind of 10 or 12 kilometers of us. So it's, it's becoming a bit of a cluster in that sense. But some nights you'll come by and, and people find it hard to, to get a reservation in the middle of summer. So we're hoping uh, to get our food truck up and running again, um, which was a, a massive hit last year. So you could come down. We had some we had prawn skewers, fish burgers. We had the classic fish and chips. We had a few nice different options on there. They were all very, very popular. Um, and then, of course, you can go into the lands. You can get your minerals or a pint or a glass of wine or whatever you're after. And uh, you can, it's kind of a grab and go thing. We'll have a few benches for people to sit down on. So we have no date set for that yet. Um, it's unfortunate, as we all know, there's a bit of a shortage of staff. Um, but but hopefully we get that up and going soon for the season because uh, it was it was a huge hit. And like you said, you know, just if if you don't have a reservation and, and you're finding it hard to find a, a nice restaurant for a reservation, you can you can always swing by there and, and grab a grab a grub. Brilliant. It sounds absolutely amazing. And I'd imagine that whenever you started up the business, obviously COVID coming along was not ideal mm. for anybody in business, but it maybe gave yourself and Mark a bit of time to to strategize and, and put a plan into place. And it sounds like you actually brought more things to the business in terms of the street food and the outside dining area. Yeah, absolutely. We, we covered off... Um a part of our outside terrace that so was never really used before. And we put another few benches in under that. Uh, so we went from having six benches in total, we put another seven benches uh, underneath the sheltered area. So obviously days where it's raining, uh, you can sit under. It's actually, some day, you find some days when it's it's absolutely pouring rain, that people still just want to sit out under a structure. It's, it's the sound of it's almost therapeutic. So we've got that. We we obviously we, we got nice umbrellas and everything for the few benches outside. But yeah, we just um, feel like we've 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 built on to the business tonight a bit over the last couple of years. Um, I suppose we felt like we put a sat back, but we just we wanted to push on and try and improve. And you know, when we had a bit of spare time, made sure we were, we were using it wisely. Um, so we we obviously we did takeaway, we did chowder run and things. It seems like a long time ago when we were driving around dropping off chowder to people's houses but it was all a great crack you know and it got like that it got the brand out there a small bit more because i was meeting people and we were dropping you know chowder to their house and they had never even heard of the lands before and they said oh well you know we are you know my sister told me last week you got to check this chowder out and things like that so that was a that was a great uh, great addition to the place and then uh, yeah the few bits and pieces and and onwards and upwards now when you know we'll, we'll keep building on to the business and, and see how we go and just keep enjoying it and uh, yeah we just we, we feel like we're in a you know a beautiful part of the world here and you come down you look out at the out of the water every day and you just think you know it's been 
very fortunate to be able to be down here and we're, we're really enjoying it. So hopefully it keeps going and uh, we just, you know, don't take anything for granted and keep building and try and get better all the time. Well, I'm looking forward to visiting this summer and for anybody that wants to do the, the Flaggy Shore Oyster experience, what's the, the website address? So it's uh, flaggyshoreoysters.ie um, and then you'll be able to book through our website. Um, our website, we're just waiting for it to go live. The, the website is live, just we're waiting for the booking system to come up. But if anyone's interested in doing the tours and they can't book through the website, they can go. Uh, e- they can email us at info at flaggyshoreoysters.ie and they'll be able to reach us that way and we can take their details and then uh, and contact them for the things that they're on. Great. Well, listen, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today, Connor. Cheers. Thanks for having me, Sharon. Best of luck to you and Mark for a fantastic summer season. Brilliant. Thanks. Hopefully we see you over the summer. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. And that brings us to the end of the programme tonight. Thanks for listening and to my guests, Fintan Gogarty, Dave Merrins and Connor Graham. Until next week, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!